Welcome to the Loved Called Gifted podcast. This is your place to come for musings about spirituality, identity and purpose. I'm your host, Catherine Cowell. So in this episode of the podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by Alana, who's a friend of mine and we've known each other not for that long. A year or so? Yeah. Invited into your life by my sister. Yes, bless her. Mm-hmm. Who knows everybody. Yes. So we have a Tuesday morning sort of Bible study, prayer group, place to chat kind of thing for women on a Tuesday. So that's where we met. And then because you are really good at cutting people's hair. Thank you. <laughs> I came and had the joy of coming and sitting in your beautiful little hair salon. Do you want to describe that for us and how you ended up with it? Yeah, it was a a natural season in my life. I'd been self-employed since I was 21 and I'd done mobile hairdressing. And then I decided that I wanted to further that and do my teaching and assessing. And then I had children and everything just revolves around them. So that meant work had to. And my other half, Lee, he said he would build me a salon and we had space for that. So it was going to be a multifunctional room and I worked alongside a friend, a good friend of mine who I'd worked with at Tony and Guy for a long time. And then then COVID happened and it seemed to be the sanctuary for people where there was me and there was that whole hour, there was a clean down and God just really opened that door to loads and loads of older ladies who were in a state of panic of even going into town and pressing a button that would give them a car parking ticket, uh, knowing that they were coming into an extremely spacious place, which was clean and they trusted me to know that that it could be as as clean as it could be and, you know, as safe as it could be for them. And I really felt that all through the time that Lee had built me that, there was always going to be a purpose for it, a retreat, a place to come, a safe place. And I think when you're talking homes, that's what you want your home to be to your friends, your family and anyone who's introduced into your circle of trust. So people who got to know me as a hairdresser and have stayed with me outside of COVID and further, I really find that it's a sanctuary for them and a peaceful place. And I get thanks for the haircut and thanks for the therapy as they walk out the door. And a lot of the time we have, I call it the hot seat, but there's a tissues next to it and it's a, it's also a prayer seat. It's also a quiet time. It's also an offload. And I'm very mindful of what I can absorb and what I can give to God when someone's talking to me. But I also am really blessed knowing that I can help people. And it's it's not just a haircut. You know, you wear that every day and and that's got to look good and it does make you feel confident. But when a problem's shared, in my eyes, it's halved. And then when I bring God into that situation, it's taken away and it's sorted out. And I have every faith in that. Yeah. It is a really tranquil space because, I mean, I obviously I came and I brought my son, who is not good with hairdressers, shall we say. <laughs> <laughs> so so the fact that, that we could, the fact that we could come and there was a space where there was just you mm-hmm. and me and him and it was peaceful and he really felt that and really felt that kind of place of tranquility. Yeah, yeah. It's a certainly an open door and I like to be accessible to everybody and make sure everybody feels comfortable. We've got the tree swing for anybody who brings their children and just feels like, you know, they, they need that extra activity because it's very hard when you have children and you want to go and have something 
basic done as as a haircut to make yourself feel better and keep yourself looking sharp. And I just, I thought when I originally opened the salon that that would be a place for mums. Mm. That was definitely on my heart. It would be, it would be multifunctional, very welcoming, home from home place. And yeah, it's it's evolved massively. COVID has, has, has evolved it in lots of ways, but people see it as safe. And that to me is important. Safe with their words to me and safe with the physicality of it. Um, in a world that is very unstable and lots of insecurities, I think finding something that's safe and someone who you can trust, those foundations are, I feel privileged to be a part of people's lives doing it because they're so important. Yeah. Yeah. So really shining all through all of that is your sense that this is not just about a haircut, although you've also talked about the fact that that is a that's a really important thing too, mm. and it is it's a valuable thing that people come away feeling better about themselves. Mm. But that real sense that you have a calling to offer something to people which is really quite holistic. I like that sort of the fact that people say thank you for the therapy, mm. but that's obviously that's not come by chance. That's really been yeah. that's really been on your heart. I think you're either open to helping and I feel in such close proximity of people making someone feel comfortable is something that I've just learnt over the years. I mean, I am 38. I started hairdressing whilst I was at school, actually did my work experience. So that's something that you learn along the way, but it's whether you want to accept that you are not just a hairdresser, you are something more than that. And you can give more if you're willing to open yourself up to that and receive. And I've tried over the years to move away from hairdressing. Mm. It's something that I had a very big stigma about when I was in my 20s and early 30s, to be honest. It's only really recently gone away that when people say, oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm a hairdresser. Now, not everybody can be a hairdresser, just as not everybody can do IT or be practical in lots of different ways. But I really didn't feel like it was something that I was proud of. And I've really prayed about that because I've, I've desperately tried different avenues and, and nothing fulfills what I can do and how to touch people's lives. I mean, let's face it, you're sitting in that seat and you're not going to just depart from me halfway through a haircut when your hair's wet. So I have your full attention for 45 minutes and you have my full attention for 45 minutes to an hour. And in that time, we are in a close environment. And that to me is so, such a privilege. I, I know I keep using the word privilege, but I do, I feel so privileged that people allow me in that space that to honour that and to respect that and to give back to that. I feel like I need to be open and really real and human, which, you know, a lot of people have the niceties and the, oh, where are you going on your holidays and natural hairdresser chit chat. There's a, there's a stigma that comes along with it. And I can safely say, I definitely don't have that. <laughs> uh, I don't overly think my questions and I think massively the lead that I get from people when they sit in that chair and know that they maybe have something to share with me. One conversation leads to another, like tears and laughter all the way through. And it's just, it was very hard not to hug my clients in COVID. Let's just say that. I like a good <laughs> hug. I, lo I love a good hug. I think it's a wonderful way to express love. Yeah, uh, that was that was a struggle. but And I think that went and took me deeper because I couldn't hug my clients my emotional connection had to go that little bit deeper so they knew that I cared I wasn't it wasn't just you're here for an hour let's entertain you let's entertain me it was genuine and I hope and pray that my clients know that they are 
really loved. Yeah, I'm sure they do. And just the fact that actually you give people a really big chunk of time when they come and see you. There's no sense of dashing in and dashing out. There's a real sense that this is, that they would come feeling that this is my space. This is my space to have a treat. Um, and this is a place of tranquility. And the fact that there's just you and them does mean that there is kind of a privacy around mm. that. Mm. Very much so. And I'm really interested in that language that you use of privilege, because I think often it's when we feel that something's a real privilege, mm. it's often a really good clue that that's absolutely what we're called to do. Mm. True, yes. Never seen it like that, but absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know that I've been running away from it and I know that God's shut so many doors. So I think I'm, I'm, I'm sitting with it now and I'm sitting happy with it, peaceful about it. I, I don't really know what what's next because I've stopped thinking what's next. Yeah. Was it interesting when you were talking about it that part of your wanting to run away from it was to do with the stigma mm. of hairdressing, mm. which is interesting because I think often we kind of think I ought to do something which has a grand label attached to it. Mm. Yeah, there's huge value in hairdressing. I don't know if you know, but one of the careers which has the greatest job satisfaction is hairdressing. Mm. If you talk to people about what people who are happy in their work, mm. hairdressers come kind of right up there. Mm. I've never been unhappy in it. Yeah. It's never been a, a moment where I've left work and thought, I really, really don't like this job. Mm. I just always thought I'd just do something different. And even if you ask my mum, you know, my brother and sister both went to university. And she said, are you sure you don't want to go to university? And I said, no, no, I'm really, I'm really fine with this. And if I change my mind, I can always do further education. But this is a great fallback on any level. If anything ever went wrong, I always have these skills. And I worked for a fantastic company, mm. at, like gaining those skills. I did a lot of travel with that, which opened other doors. But I think it's the vast amount of people that you touch. When you have a set job and you go into that work and everyone else is doing that set job, you are embodied in that workspace doing that set job. There doesn't seem to be a variance to it the way I see hairdressing. The networking, you know, the contacts that I have because of the people that I know. And it's like going to university every day because someone will come in and tell you a fact. And it's like every day's school day. You'll learn something new about them, something what they've learnt, read, been, travelled, experienced, and you'll learn to share those things because someone's sharing them with you, you and it's a good news, so you want to share it with others. And it, it's it's just it's just a wonderful platform to have. And I respect the platform that I have. Um, yeah. And I'm and I massively again feel privileged that I have it because hairdressing isn't really something that well of course as a you know if you want to go down to London and spend X amount but most people will in Stoke on Trent for example that's where we are right now will pay a certain amount of money on their hair every three months or so so it doesn't segregate it doesn't you know it's not just for the elite or people with money it's for people who want to come and have their time hmm. and i think we are a little behind on the therapy side of things and again that's an expense that people say oh you know spending it on me and sitting talking to somebody in therapy and it's a lot of money and i take time out for it and hairdressing they have that therapy and they have that haircut and i don't think a lot of people overly think that i'm not going to spend that money on me you know, most people will wash and dry their hair at least once a week. So that yeah. time for them is precious. So I, I just feel like an added bonus for them, which is wonderful. So 
Looking back, can you remember what it was about hairdressing that drew you to it in the first place? My mum used to have a wonderful hairdresser. Him and his partners, Mark and Ian, they were special. They were real. They were encouraging. And in a world where you're kind of growing up and people tell you to sit still, be quiet now, don't get in the way. Never had that when I went to the to the salon and, and it was always, I was always encouraged. Yeah, of course you want to sweep up a ladder. Of course, no problem, you carry on. And the chatter was there and the happiness in the environment. And I do, I do think that when I went through school, I was never really an academic and I always liked to be practical. So when I did my GCSEs, I took graphics and art and I got an A star on my art and an A in my graphics and everything else was C's and D's. And I thought, well, I'll do interior design. But to do that, I would have had to go to London possibly to do my work experience. And it just happened that Tony and Guy had opened on the top of Piccadilly in the, on a corner in Hanley. And I saw it as a very arty place. And I thought to myself, I'm just going to see if I can get a job. Like my work experience was two weeks there. And then the second week I got offered a Saturday job. And then I worked all through the summer and I absolutely loved it. That The boss said, would you like to come and start doing your training of an evening? And obviously I had a plethora of friends at school who were like, yeah, of course you can practice washing my hair and blow drying my hair. Of course you can. So I'd bring my friends up on a Wednesday evening and it'd just be kind of me growing up time, me having, you know, the, a time where I was turning into an adult and enjoying doing that and surrounding with lots of older girls who I saw as all sisters and I still see a lot of them now or in touch with them and I really felt God in that moment there was again the stigma of you go to a hairdresser's and everyone's a bit gossipy and a bit a bit just a bit nasty hmm. the girls that I worked with were just we just got along. We were really professional. We got along. We respected one another's positionings. We helped one another. Again, the lady who I worked with in, in my salon, she was head junior and she took me under her wing and she showed me what was what. And you know, she put my foundations in place for good work ethic. And the training that came alongside that was Manchester. So I had to travel to Manchester. I did some competitions in London. And it grew my independence. And when you have a security in what you want to do, I think sometimes that can make you thrive. And I, and I do worry about the generations that sit at school and say, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I really don't know. I have never been in that place. So to have the empathy for that, I really try and dig for that because I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. To be wondering where you're going. I really felt that I got just taken into this place and, and I haven't stopped yet. Hmm. So never to wonder is amazing. Yeah, there's kind of a number of threads that you can see God working through, can't you? So that experience of your mum's hairdressers and their just who they were as people mm. and the way they approached that. And that obviously kind of keyed into something in you because mm. that wasn't part of the wallpaper of your life. It was, it was something that felt really significant. And then knowing that you had some strengths in terms of being artistic and then this arty kind of hair salon mm. opens up and you get a job. So there's a real kind of... Yeah, there's a real thread, isn't there, of both of both God's leading and and who you are and what you bring to the world. Mm -hmm. And I can really hear how both the kind of the artiness and your love of people and your kind of really sounds like you're somebody who kind of likes quite a bit of a social buzz. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
But then when I come home, <laughs> I do I do quite smile because uh, Lee's quite the quiet type. And I think to myself, I really know sometimes that God gave me Lee <laughs> because he doesn't overly chatter. He, I've been chatting all day, so I'm ready to just silence myself, eat my food, find some peace, let someone else entertain me, TV-wise or the children. And he never pushes for that. He's, he's quite a, a relaxed individual. So I, I think, thank goodness, I don't have a, a chatty husband at home or else <laughs> I think my voice box would possibly go. <laughs> so, yes, um, yeah, very, ex- very extreme. I mean, my hobby is gardening if yeah. I want an escapism yeah and that's it there's no one to talk to me there mm. and I'm quite at peace with that yeah so the other thing you've talked about is that sense of stigma that there is around hairdressing and and you talked about kind of looking for other avenues mm. it sounds as if you're looking for other avenues wasn't because you didn't like the hairdressing but more because you kind of thought you ought to do something Yes. So uh, just the practical side, really, I'm self-employed. It's a very arduous job sometimes, being on your feet for some 12 hours. Yeah. Something that I'm accustomed to now. In fact, sitting down for more than two, I get itchy feet. So I always thought I'd get into something that would, you know, give me a pension or pay me to have a holiday. <laughs> That'd be fabulous. <laughs> and not to take work home because I would, if a client had shared something with me, I would mull it over and think about it and then your phone's always there and your diary's always open and that's a seven days a week because when you run your own business you have to have that so I just thought oh maybe just to kick back Mm. and just take the pressure off I think I create my own pressure to be honest I think everybody does have a choice whether they want to embody something and absorb something and I think actually I, I could just say well I'm not going to so again covid as much as it turned the world upside down, made me think, I'm gonna I'm gonna say, No, I can't do that and mm. I'm gonna take that time off. And also I think the children six and nine, they're of an age where they're going to grow up quickly and soon be independent. But they're in a beautiful age where I feel like I want to really embody myself in them. So that as well as making me make choices about time management with things. Mm. So I'm actually finding that settling. I think it's taken mm. a long time to settle and find a balance. I think you can constantly run without knowing and then exhaust yourself and then have five minutes and then get back up again. And I'm learning. Yeah. So you've found a way of getting that balance without having to leave your career. Yeah, or feel guilty. I think, again, driven by guilt a lot of the time. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. If you don't, maybe, what will that person think? But actually, the more confident I am in who I am, which I think comes with age. I think I think by the time I'm 40, I'll be, I'll nailed it. <laughs> this confidence <laughs> level. Just a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do think that finding everything in moderation and and learning to say no not because you're being rude but actually it's just because I need you to respect my time I need to respect my time because if I don't respect it why should I expect everyone else to yeah so and I think in life and how busy it is and people's high expectations and the speed of it it's very easy very easy to just get swept up again so yeah Holding your brakes sturdy is good. Yeah. And have you lost that sense of this has a stigma about it? I think so. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I think I have. And again, that's a self-worth knowing that what I provide within the service that I give has made me realise that, yeah, I, I'm not a normal hairdresser in, in lots of respects. Hmm. I don't think I'll ever be able to transfer it into a therapist of any sort, just because I'd have to sit down then, wouldn't I? <laughs> I'd just sit in one of them seats and just like, you know, relax. It's just <laughs> not me. I'm, I am... I think I have a little bit of ADD. <laughs> uh, yeah, I am a busy, busy person. I like to keep moving. So yeah. you like to be and like to be physically busy. I really do. And I think, you know, God knew that as well. He knew that I would be able to talk and keep moving and work at the same time. It's like going to the gym, seeing your friend and working all in one. And it's amazing. Realistically, it works for me. Yeah. And maybe that's why I've never found anything that would suit. So, and I've searched. So unless God drops it on my lap, I'm really done with searching now. But it kind of sounds like God did drop it in mm. your lap just quite a long time mm. ago. He did. He did. Yeah. It's all always seasons, isn't there? And at mm. the minute, it very much works around my, my children, really. Yeah. And there's lots of travelling with that involved. So I, I have to be flexible yeah so it, it works it works yeah. so letting go of some of those kinds of ought to should be pressures mm -hmm. that has enabled you to kind of say no to stuff and to get a balance has enabled you to get that sort of that sense that you're not kind of rushed by everything that you were looking for i i think actually the balance was just allowing yourself that time yeah and realizing that when you do just stop, that that's okay because nothing changes particularly. Just a guilt-free stop is, is where you need to be. Yeah. Things resume. Nothing falls to pieces. No one decides that they don't like you just because you've had a day off. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah, it's, it's really good. good. Thank you, Alana. That's brilliant. Thank you, Catherine. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Loved Called Gifted podcast. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email lovedcalledgifted at gmail.com. You can find a transcript of this podcast at lovedcalledgifted.com. And that's also the place to go if you're interested in the Loved Called Gifted course, or if you'd like to find out about spiritual direction or coaching. Thank you for listening.